are back. Podcast on Prince, podcastjuice.net. My name is Michael Dean, and this is part two of our deep dive into the 1999 Super Deluxe Edition. And uh, we've already done discs one and two. So if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to that podcast and then come back because this is part two. And we're about to get into it. Uh, of course, joining me is Mr. Day Dropping, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Getting ready to talk about these crazy tracks. Some we've heard, some we haven't. Yes. Also, Mr. Amp Poo, sir, you're here. I'm doing great. Ready to do a deep dive in uh, the vault. All right. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Big Sexy and Sax, sir, how are you? I'm grooving to do yourself a favor. <laughs> yeah. Love that song. You're already starting. All right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's just get right into it. Uh, track number one, Fill You Up. All I want to do is fill you up, pause. Uh, this is, uh, I would say, I guess the original version of this. The song was released as a B-side. Uh, which album was this on the B-side for? Sign of Times? From Batman. Batman. From the Batman. Oh, Batman. Wow. Okay. So here we go. Uh, day dropping. I'm going to start with you, man. What's, what's your thoughts on Feel You Up? Okay. So my notes on here for all these tracks, pretty short. So my, my reviews will be short and sweet here. For this one, uh, the way I see it, it's it's funky and it's raw. It's that early version of the track. Um, comparatively, I, I like the final version that was released during that Batman soundtrack time. Um, but for me, this is uh, it, it, a lot of tracks on these CDs. Are, are this way is that it's a great early look into what would become it gives you a peek into the, the into the process um what he was how would things start and how they end up it's always interesting for me to hear that and this is a great addition to it i mean i've heard this one for a long time but never in this kind of clarity so um for me it, it's a nice addition now i didn't give any kind of rankings or, or scoring on the other stuff or anything like that but for this for this cd and the next cd i do so relatively speaking compared to the other one i like the other one better like i said but this one is a seven out of ten for me uh i, I kind of much pretty much co-sign everything you said i love the released version uh but this to me to hear it in this time frame you know just the lindrum and going into it uh i i i love this again just to be able to hear prince's voice uh, there's just something about Prince's voice and vocals that gets to me in a great way as well. And it's just the sound of it. And this just sounds like a, I don't want to say a, not honest, it's not the word, but just a pure presentation of it. Uh, and it puts it, you know, the, almost has the uh, funky worm <laughs> a little bit, but like early style. I, I, it's just, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to hear, the seeds of this song and sort of the, the start of it. So I love this. Uh, Ampoo, what do you think of this one? Uh, for me, I personally, and fortunately we do have to judge it by, you know, the release track from the Batman soundtrack um, from the Batman era. I like the vocals better, his vocal performance on the release track. But here I really like, I guess I would say more stripped down um, music on this song. And on top of that, he lets us ride. It's about six minutes and 42 seconds. You get to feel him play this out, jam this out. And it's a nice little introduction to what would become the release track. But, you know, just overall, 
I, I kind of like it's a, a glimpse into that era and how he put this song together and the mood and the vibe that he was giving it. All right. Big, sexy and sad. Again, excuse me, I want to co sign what everyone else has said. It's like looking through a window of the creative process. Now, a lot of things we're going to listen to aren't finished, quote unquote, product, or he, he made other changes or what have you. But for me, that's half the fun, seeing how he gets from point A to point B. And with this one, again, you know, we hear, we hear it all come together. And for me, now I'm going to go ahead and start early on this one. This isn't one of his better songs. There it is. I said it. But watching how it, you know, metamorphosizes from this to the final product is, is just great for, like you said earlier, Mike, for like uh, for studying purposes to see how things, how he created things. Now, having said that, again, to me, it's just an unfinished studio track, which I'm going to want to hear anyway. So I'm good with it. I'm definitely good with it. All right. And this song segues. Did I say it right? You did. You mother. Why are you taking shots? Come on. It's <laughs> 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. It was a three-day Thanksgiving weekend. Why we got to take shots? We I can't even remember Prince. the origin. I thought it was a shot on me, but maybe I, maybe I wasn't. No, it was a shot on me. I, oh, I, I, I said Segue and uh-huh. I think it was... I did. Oh, See, I totally like, forgot. Yes. I didn't remember how it came. I just, because I, I know I always <laughs> f up stuff. So I was like, I think after the third time I said it, you was like, "Nigga, it's Segway." <laughs> I was like, "Segu." Like, Actually, I like Segu better. But anyway, uh, so I Segu. It Segu's into uh, the next song here, uh, "Irresistible Bitch," and let me tell you something. I love this now. I, in terms of like. The release version is far superior, just in, in instrumentation of it and stuff. But I, what I love about this version, first, I love this, this just there's been a minimalist take on it. You know, I can see that these songs were tied together in, in the drum machine, everything. But the way Prince's vocal delivery on this is hysterical. Like I don't yeah. think he's <laughs> ever done this on another song. Like I don't know. It's not. It's, I wouldn't say it's an it's aggressive, but it's just like it's clown. It's I don't know what it is. It is hysterical to me. It's just the way the unabashed unabashedness of irresistible bitch. He's just like damn, like he enjoying the hell out of this. <laughs> you hear it's just so funny to me. I don't I don't know what the intention was, or was it was he thinking like this is I'm clowning when I do this, this is what I'm gonna do it or what? But. It I comes off clip. like street harassment. Like he's probably that whole movement. <laughs> he's like, oh, you ain't gonna give me your number? System of a bitch. I got you. I wrote a song about it. Street harassment. <laughs> I can see some old dude. Like, that's, and maybe, I don't know, this is like the Jamie Starr just uh, unleashed clowning. But I can see, like, yeah, he's that old dude. Like, hey, bitch, t- give me your number, girl. You know, this is Romy Rome. This is Jerome from Martin or something <laughs> singing this shit. <laughs> Actually, now that you think you can kind of see that. You can see Jerome doing this song. <laughs> like it would have been a Martin skit or something. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love that. To me, this had me dying. It's like, I was like, this dude is a fool. <laughs> uh, Big Sexy, what you think on this? You know, you hit it square on the head with that whole 
Martin voice because I was listening to it just now, and and called it perfectly. So I'm like, well, old dudes being all inappropriate in the street. Well, give me a number, then, bitch. Damn. <laughs> you know, I'm like, fellas, fellas, we ain't gotta be about all that. But I, I'm hoping that was done at an attempt at humor. And then he probably realized, yeah, I better not put this one out. <laughs> Let me try something else with this. And he went more of the, um, I'm going to call it spoken word type deal and kept it a lot looser and, and changed the music up as well, too. And again, you know, we got we have to go through the journey to get to the destination. And this was part of the journey. A funny part, but definitely just a part part of it. Yes, sir. Day dropping. Right. So this one is gritty just the way it should be. Um, the polished version, which I, you know, I, and I was thinking about it. I. Well, I'm going to read the way I have it here and how I think about it right now. So on my notes, I have the polished one. It's a good dance track. And this version is, is it's more emotional. It's more funky. And I like this version better because of this. Uh, his his talk scream uh, is what sells this version. And um, the, la- the last minute breakdown, that's a, that's some gold right there. And yeah, it just man. puts this version in over the top of the release version. That's what my notes say. But. Thinking about it a little bit more, you know, I do like the released one a little bit better. I guess it kind of depends what day of the week it is. I'm going to flip-flop between the two and what what mood you're in. Because there's different moods to this track. The released one is definitely a a lot more um, not uh, purposeful, like um, somber type uh, thing, you know. But this one, this one does it too from from uh, um, a musical standpoint towards the end. And I re- I've always liked this version at the end with the, with the synth where you go, as it's fading out, it just, it, it does something to me right there. I've always liked that. And, um, but I think I do like the, the released one, the final release one a little bit more just because, I don't know, man, it's, it's got some kind of vibe to it. But this one, yeah, when he does that, that screaming talk as, as he's going through it, it's some silly ass prints almost, you know, it's gotta be, uh, but I can definitely see, see him as an old man doing this. And yeah, it, it's great. It's great. It, it's an eight out of 10. Cause it's it just, this, these are again, these, these are the, the seeds before the sprout and, um, you knew where it was going, but you didn't know it was going to go into such a direction that it did ultimately. And I really like the way this one sounds. It's, it's great. Yeah, you and you, you you have to jump on something you said about just toward the the end of the song, the breakdown and that guitar scratching. That's that shit right there. That's when I'm like, yeah, this is for me personally. This is this is my print. Like this is the sound, you know, the nice thing, all that stuff. The time second album. This is that sound that in my mind I would always associate with Prince. And I just I was like, here it is. This wasn't released. And I understand that sometimes you have to like pull back. You can't just have every song. (laughs) Like I would want every song to have that, but you can't do that because it would just get played out. But here's just like, this was an example. Like, okay, he was doing all that stuff. Of course, you can't put it all out, but this was just that straight raw uh, I'm going to say this about something else later. This really reminds me of like some Shuggy Otis 
Like just that style, how they play the guitar and stuff. That's that gut bucket, that old, that old. You know, you gotta have a a, a little bowl of. This song has a little bowl of grits next to it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, Prince had that in him. Like he, he, again, he could sparingly put it out. He didn't want to overdose you on the shit, but he could have just gave you soul food all the time if if you really wanted to. But he, you know, had a vision to be like, I got to be bigger than this. <laughs> you know, I can't just be like I would say, like when I look at Zap and I brought them up earlier, another pal, that's all they just say. We giving you soul food here, nigga. Here's some greens. Like eat it. Like, like, but you know, you I got to eat some other stuff. But they would so I could see like Prince had that in him to do it. And this is just unabashed, you know, and even just the way the vocal delivery is just. It, it it wouldn't even fit on him, on his albums back then because it had just been like, huh? Like, is he? I didn't know he was like that. Like he's a fool. So so this is just like, I can see why you don't put this out. But for those who probably knew him, it's like, yeah, that dude is cold. Like he don't let it don't get it twisted. Now he 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 got that in him. So this this song had right. that in him. I would say I'm glad this version's out. In this quality, because there's been good, good, uh, you know, uh, boots on this before, mm -hmm. but not to this level. So, yeah, you know, props for this one coming out on that end. All right. Uh, did I get everybody ample? Did I get you? Nah. No. Okay, um, go ahead. I guess I might offend some people, but I don't care. I'm going to be me. Uh -oh. um, if you take a look at the release version. Versus this one, can we go ahead and give Morris Day his props? Because he on them drums, he killed it. Which is, this is a, a nice raw, playful song, but it's definitely missing them drums and that funk with the bass from the release track. Um, the synth, I, I definitely like the fact that he took this song, and we have two versions of this that you know people can debate which one is better than the other. But on top of that, you know when you listen to the music, he's giving you yeah, it's fill you up uh, a nice segue into that. But he does add those synth layers uh, lines on here that makes it a completely different song from what we got released, and just props all the way around that he can be this playful and this creative. All right. We're going to keep on moving. The next one uh, was definitely a new one to me. Uh, Money don't grow on trees. But well, that sounds like something when your old grandma and them. So, so I, Grandmama, can I get some money? Boy, I just gave you $20. You know, money don't grow on trees. You know, it definitely harkens back to another day. Um, I, I'll say this about the song. To me, I, I like the song, but you know what? Don, I mean, to me, this song. If somebody, if this would have came out on a newer Prince album, I would have thought, I wouldn't have questioned or I would have even thought that it was some older type song. To me, this sounds like Prince that I, it's like, he's always sound like this. This this is that sound, like I could hear this on some of his newer stuff, which is interesting to me because it's like, it's not dated to me personally. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you, but um, this song reminds me of Rock and Roll Love Affair. I hear it. So if you say it doesn't seem dated, uh, it could be coming out with newer stuff. Yes, because that's the song I hear. Like if you told me he built that song off of this music, I'd believe it. Until you said yeah. that, I wouldn't have thought that, but you're absolutely yeah. right. I could kind of hear that too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ampoo. I mean, Ampoo. Any other things you want to say about this? 
Um, just the musicianship. I don't know if that's Prince on the, I mean, Prince or Morris on them drums, but they are, they're jamming the hell out of here and they're playing the music. You know, I, I, I'm kind of not a fan of real music by real musicians, but you listen to this song and you like, what? okay, I get what he's talking about. Maybe you might want to clean that up. What, you, what, what do you mean you're not I, a fan from, of? <laughs> like the real music by real musician. I mean, it's Prince. So it's like, Hey, yeah, he can say that. But for me, I just feel like, you know, I, I feel like you're, you're putting down, other artists out there that can't do what he can do. Wait, didn't we have this fight already? That is not what he meant by that statement, man. Hey, I'm sorry. That's how I interpret it. I'm like, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. But I'm just saying, like, on here, I'm like, I get what he means because that is some musicianship in here. You can hear all of that. They are playing the hell out of this. And on top, and the worst part about it is, is he just threw that in the vault. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And and I'm gonna go to uh, Big Sexy next. The the breakdown in this again. There's a little bowl of grits right there. It's like this. This dude has just had that soul in him, man. It's just incredible. Big Sexy, what you think? Thing that stands out to me on this one is the recording of it. Now I don't know if this was this clean as it was done initially. You know, because I've never heard it before, but you can just hear the separation of the guitars, the bass and the drum and everything is so crystal clear. You know, I, I, I love it. And had Ant not said it, I would have never been able to get to Rock and Roll Over Fair from this. But this takes you right to that. And uh, again, again, like Ant said, I don't know if this is a, a Morris on the drums or whatever, or just Prince at the. Kiowa trail home just farting around himself <clears throat> doing the one man band thing. <clears throat> but the way this was recorded, it is so clear you can you can really hear his skill as a guitarist. You really can hear it. You can sit there and listen to it, a little little chicken scratch there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm like, damn. The guy just doesn't stop doing it. And again, I like it. Again, I like it because it's also something else that allows us to look inside, you know, the creator's studio, you know, the, the, the mad, the mad scientist laboratory. And now maybe this was something that was never meant to go where it went, but it ended up, I'm, I'm guessing that it ended up going to rock and roll over fair because of the way they're both so crisply and neatly done, but guy's talent is on display here. Yeah. And you, you brought up something about the mix and that reminded me. So I think with these songs, they're not constrained necessarily by the sound or the previous released mixes. Right. So I, that's why I think some of these unreleased songs and this one in particular they can mix the hell out of it. <laughs> like, right. And we'd be none the wiser. Yeah. And, and you can hear like, wow, this, cause again, this sounds incredible. This was from 82, 83. You'd be like, huh? Like, yeah, I don't think they, so they can probably do what they need to do to really let this thing shine through. And this was a, just a beautiful track. And Pooh, what's your, take us home on this. Oh, you did. That, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, day dropping. I'm old. 
<laughs> yeah, so so money don't grow on trees. It's a pleasant track. It's with some nice guitar playing. I like the line. Uh, I need my money like a hog needs slop. That's <laughs> love that line, man. It's you know it's one of them happy go lucky tracks. Uh, it, it, and it's nice, but at the same time, uh, it's not something that really sticks with you. It might be a grow over track, if anything. Um, now, you guys mentioned Rock and Roll Love Affair, and I do hear that. I have another one that I would queue up after this one, and I and I, to- I totally felt about it. I go, why does this, what does this remind me of? I could put this song and queue it up with Get Your Groove On, and you can mm. hear similar instrumentations with the guitars from both. And so I wouldn't be too surprised. Like you guys said that, that maybe he may have been inspired from this one with Rock and Roll Love Affair. Maybe he wasn't inspired with this track to do Get Your Groove On as well. Um, in terms of a scoring it, I mean, it's nothing crazy. It's a, it's a nice addition for, for the completest in you. Um, but it's, you know, six, seven. It's nothing too wild. It, it's it's nice. But and the sound is awesome on it. But again, we don't know. We have no comparison. But hey, if there's going to be the first version of this that we ever hear, that's a hell of a good first version to hear. All right, let's keep it moving. The next uh, next song up is one of my favorites in life, Vagina. So I heard about this song uh, leading up to the release of this, and I think some of the lyrics had came out early, and I was I was kind of like going, okay, here here we go, like. You know, because Johnny was hot boy. You know, I saw the list. Oh, here they going to try to. Here you go. See, I told you. Prison. Okay. So when I hit the play on this, I didn't know what to expect. But Lord have mercy. Prince, Prince, Prince. Fantastic. Uh, the sound of this is the first thing that I drop off, jump up to me. I, I love the stereo guitars, just guitar, bass. The vocal, this is crystal freaking clear, thick. You know, there's no any drums on this really, so they can turn that bass up. And it just sounds like uh, a piece of just like golden molasses. Uh, somebody said, here's some print stuff. Like, again, if this would have just, if this had came out now, I would probably be able to say, you know, this kind of reminds me, like, uh, Dirty mind, how I want it to sound sonically in my mind. But I was like, damn, this shit is so catchy. Uh, and it sounds so great. Even I, I, a lot of times, Prince, he'll be singing some stuff that go right over my head and it'd be on some next shit. Like, oh, stuff I would never say. But this is one of those very, uh, it was like a Pied Piper of a track. Like, I can't help but sing this. And I catch myself. You know, Johnny was half, half girl, best. I want my boys looking at me. Nigga, what you singing? Like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> hey, man. You know, this shit is fire. Like, to me, this is dope. Like, God. And I'm like, damn, my man, we just sitting on this. I can see what probably the older prince, you know, he's like, ah, I'm not really, I'm not really with the themes of this or whatever. But God damn, this is, this is, Magic to me, it sound. Hey, that's not how you. Oh, that's Michael's word. I nigga, this is magic. I, this is dope, man. I love this. Ugh, it just I, I can't stop playing it. It sounds so good in my ears. That's what it is. So I don't even whatever he talking about. You get a pass. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like Billy at the end of the program. Yeah, man. Whatever he talking about, it's, it just sounds dope, man. I give me the uh, best of one world remix, but. 
I'm all I'm on board, man. I'm with it. I guess that's how they do it. You, you get sucked in and they get to opening you up. And next thing you don't want to do is step up. But I'm just joking. But if, okay, don't, <laughs> I, I knew you was going. I'm just with that. playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> but no, this was this is fabulous, man. Uh, we're gonna go to Ampu. Wow, how do I got to follow that up? Great. <laughs> um, go ahead, send your hate mail to me. I think this is okay. Um, maybe I need a couple more spins on this, but like the lyrical content, I, I, I may, I need someone, I guess I'm going to need Kinesia to walk me through this and what, what's see the meaning and message behind this. Um, I love the guitar, but the minimalist song, uh, aspect of the song, I'm, I'm really not feeling it. He it definitely, it, it showcases, uh, Prince ability. I mean, I don't hear drums on here. I don't hear keys on here. So the fact that, you know, he put this song together without with with uh, with the guitar being the main music driving this song. Props to him. You kind of you got to love that type of experimentation. But just overall, it's just not enough here for me to say, yeah, I'm feeling this like everybody else is. All right. Day dropping. OK, so, um, you know, I, I like this track from different reasons. One of them, it it, um, it kind of def somewhat defines, you know, perception versus reality with Prince. A lot of times people who are not so much in the know or ignorant to the whole thing are like, hey, Prince, he's one dirty artist, you know, and he's, he's just nasty and dirty and this and that. And it's like, well, no, but I got to admit, I kind of fell into that when I first heard the title. I'm like, well, you got a song called Vagina. Okay. I remember hearing of this title years ago and I go, man, that's going to be some nasty stuff when it comes out, if it ever comes out. And it turns out it's not, and it's not so much that he's, he's not a necessarily a dirty artist he can get that way from time to time but that's not him he's outspoken and that can make him controversial sometimes uh, or that would make him controversial sometimes that he was outspoken that way well this track is just like that and that's one of the reasons why i like the track the way i like it because one of those tracks where when when you hear the title you automatically assume something and it's nothing like that at all ironically enough pussy controls another one with the title like that. So, you know, this is a great funk standout track with this collection. It's, it's a highlight of these two CDs. Um, it's a shame that it was never previously included somewhere because it could have been, you know, it's almost like rockabilly, rockabilly style. Um, it, and I think it shows a good natural progression and musical maturity from the controversy era into the 1999 era. Because um, I, I think if it would have been done, say, back in the Dirty Mind controversy days, if it had been recorded then, I think it would have sounded a lot more punk, a lot more rushed, a lot quicker uh, tempo. With this release at the time frame that it is, I think Prince kind of realized, hey, things don't have to be so fast like that. So so in your face, you know, I can do do it another way. And this is an example of that. It's a great transition piece from, like I said, from uh, controversy into 99, 1999. And it's the right tempo. It's the right sound. I'm going to give this one a nine out of 10. The only reason I don't give it a 10 out of 10 is for being super nitpicky and being pissed off that it was not released prior to now because it should have been included somewhere in in a family of other tracks that are like-minded to give it some kind of context instead of having to figure it out on its own um it's a shame 
it's a shame, you know, but other than that, man, it's a nine out of 10. This song is crazy. And I didn't know what to expect. I think it, it it's, it's definitely a grower. It's definitely something that if it don't hit you right away. So I'm putting like, I, again, man, you listen to it a few times. Cause if it don't hit you right away, it will. And you're going to be like, damn, yeah, this, this is it. It's a good track. Nine out of 10. Definitely. All right. Big sexy. This is something I could imagine being played in the background of a certain scene from last week's Watchmen, but I digress. Oh, <laughs> and watching Q's head explode. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. That's wow. what you gonna do? That's how you I feel? Know, I, I was a cheap shot. Cheap shot. Um, seriously, <laughs> though, this one, I, I unlike, and I like the stripped down nature of it. it. Again, unless you hear him play, you know, you hear the bass and how the guitar just follows the bass or vice versa and got the little hand claps in the back you know and the subject matter of the song whatever it is what it is but i could easily see this one being a a b-side for something off dirty mind back in the day because it was it was controversial enough it touches on you know taboo subjects oh this is this is a great song but what really does it though is the recording and the guitar and the bass playing, it's just amazing. It's amazing. You know, <clears throat> I remember when uh, he played at the Hall of Fame and took the ho whole house down with his so solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps. We knew he could play like that. We weren't surprised at all. But it let everyone else see it. And this is more of that type of revelation to me. Again, he's showing, look, this is what I do. I do it all. And it's not, for me, it's not hard. I'm just that guy. And the song is so casually performed, it's almost like it's a throwaway, but I don't, it, but it's not. Because if you listen to it, it's, it's recorded really well and played really well. You know, the lyrics are gr you know great. The presentation of the lyrics are great. You know, uh, Ernie's tripping. Let you let you get a ten. <laughs> but you know what, Mark? Let me let me pay back on what you said because I thought it was a very cool point that you said that this this could have been a B side over on on the uh, con Dirty Minor Controversy era. I agree, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of times, if you guys look at the B sides on on tracks back then, um, they were kind of like previews of where he was going. You know, they they kind of give you like a little little uh, taste of what what to expect upcoming in the next year or two and um this fit it would fit in perfect in that kind of context so yeah i, I agree i agree with that it should have definitely been a b-side back one of those tracks back then <laughs> that's gonna be your new your new alias the day dropping is ernie's drunk that's gonna be the next one <laughs> <laughs> all right man let's keep it moving next up is rearrange your mind man i'm not gonna even go first because i I want to let somebody else handle this one. And I'm going to go to Day Dropping. Redemption, 10 out of 10. This has got that Lady Cab Driver vibe with the guitar and synth. I could, I could see the time doing this right here. This is, this is that young punk prince up in the house right here and showing us what it's about. Some might think it's a grower. It might very well be. But do not, do not make the serious error faux pas of skipping this track don't overlook this track don't make the mistake of thinking ah it's not much to it 
Oh, there's a lot going on here. And and this then listen to the lyrics and then start going to the lyrics and what they may be about. The, you know, there's some great stereo fade and separation when you listen to this thing on headphones. It's just mind blowing. This is some stuff right here. Man, I, I can't even fault this one for not having coming out before. It's that kind of good. It's one of those tracks where, you know, <laughs> you have to wonder, holy shit, what else is in that vault? You know, because of the way it sounds. This is, again, a 10 out of 10. Easy, easy, any day of the week. I don't know how anybody could think any less of this. This is just, it, it's, it, it blows your mind. It melts your mind. It's just crazy. I got nothing else to say. Lady Cat Driver would like to be like this maybe in another life but other than that man it's just poof. what else can i say oh wait there's a few more that want to say something i'm off <laughs> and poo i have to uh, echo a lot of the sentiments that ernie mentioned this does seem like the cousin of lady cab driver absolutely feels like this was a time track and for me, it further shows how um, he takes his music and figures out ways to produce a song. Like we, f- we both feel like this sounds like Lady Cab Driver and he was able to to put lyrics and a different song, two different songs to this music. And we believe a lot of us believe this was probably intended for the time because it it feels like it has some of that vibe from the first two albums. And it's just amazing how his you, you I feel like you see how his mind is working. And, you know, we, we've seen it with it was, uh, I guess, the, the drum beat for Irresistible Bitch, which became his tricky, which became chlorine bacon skin. You see with uh, it was just uh, the fill you up where he was able to do it. Irresistible bitch. Um, you see, with the ball, he made it. I know another song we about to get into next that became New Power Generation. It's just, it just really makes you wonder how what was his musical process and how he was putting this music and these songs together that he can go in multiple ways with it. All right, big sexy and shock, my. This one is a little complex. It starts off, rearrange your mind, has that new wave <laughs> vibe to it. I can see the little rude boy and the trench coat flying and those skinny ties with this. And then as you get into it, there's this undercurrent of a long, and this one is actually somewhat reminiscent of Jimi Hendrix's guitar solo. It's just like, it's like walking along with you right there the whole time. And it's just going and going and going and going and going. And... Again, the word is overused in our lexicon, you know, currently. Guy was a genius. That simple. You know, he's doing all of this stuff or the vast majority of it. It's him or it's him and Morris. And they're just at the home studio just doing their thing. But going back to the song, <clears throat> I like it. It's got that new wave vibe to it, and it fit right in the 1999 project, which kind of straddled R&B, funk, and new wave, and a little bit of rock all together. So I can see this fitting in right, right there with all the critics love you or something. The water doesn't compute, and it, it fits right in that in that mold. And I believe at this time, <clears throat> Prince was really into Gary Newman. I could hear that there. 
I can hear that type of that new wave influence, you know, that you hear from Gary Newman and he just takes it all and takes it and goes his direction with it. Again, guy was ahead of the game and had he presented all of this to Warner's how, like Mike said earlier, he could, he could edit himself and that takes an incredible amount of discipline because you have all of this stuff and you go to Warner's here it is. Well, we can't release all this, you know, bring this down a bit. And so I do decide what stays and what goes. For some reason, this didn't make the cut. It would have fit right in on this album. Would have fit right in perfectly. All right, man. I pretty much agree with everything fellas have said uh, to this point. Uh, this song is a no-brainer. This is a song, uh, I would say, like, I think I saw one time Prince, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember him saying I could have done uh, 1999 part two, or maybe it was like a purple rain part two easily. Purple rain part two. Purple rain. Uh, I could see where someone would, you know, 1999 and then, you know, it, and I hate to use this word, but more sort of a more pop inclined influence a little bit to purple rain, you know, in terms of the overall scope of the music where I could see somebody say, man, I, if only he would have just if he if he would have just went pure funk like and just not concerned of any sort of pop sort of success, obviously he had that in his will. He could have just pulled it out and wheeled it out to you and gave you what you knew of Prince. This song sounds exactly like uh, somebody was to ask you, "What do you think? What is you know in terms of if you were an earlier fan?" I'll put it that way because the sound does sort of shift a little bit. In those early 80s, and I said, what do you think Prince sounds like? This song to me would, would be the first, you could come to, everything that's in this song would come to mind. You know, the, that drum machine sound, that guitar, the way he's singing it. It's easily identified as, now that's Prince. Like if I didn't even, no one told me who this was and they just played it, of course, I would, I think anybody would be like, oh, that's Prince, ain't it? Yeah, that shit is jamming. Uh, to me, this is like a, an obvious, like this is obviously Prince and this is, and that's, that's in a great way to say that, uh, there are people whose careers were based off of this sound, right. And then come to mind would be like ready for the world or something like that. And then, again, there were tons of, uh, songs that came out that had that Prince sound, but they sort of had based. They, to me, I, when I think of ready for the world, they based a whole shit. <laughs> was on this you know I would say Jesse Johnson's earlier album is oh, it's based on this and it'd be interesting to hear what those guys who have made a livelihood or who had very much success mimicking this because that's what this is this is that Minneapolis sound to me like it's unquestionably the core elements of it and it's funky as hell uh it could be, this would have been a, a ridiculous B-side. <laughs> it would have been like, what the fuck? This would be, because I could see why Prince would have said, this is very derivative of Lady Cab Driver. And I don't know the timeline. I don't know if he came up with this first and then Lady Cab Driver came up and he was like, oh, I'm going to take that little element from Rearrange and put that in the breakdown of Lady Cab Driver and flip it. Or, or, you know, I don't know that maybe Dwayne would know this and I don't have the liner notes in front of me. I, I wouldn't be surprised if 
this song was tied into it the same way we just heard uh, Fill You Up and Irresistible Bitch sort of flow right into each other using the same drum sounds and slightly change the pattern, maybe or not. You know what I mean? I could see that too. And we've seen instances of Prince doing that in a lot of his music where the songs slide right into each other. Uh, I can, I also, again, if you haven't before, go listen to some Shuggy Otis. For those who don't know, go check out the Shuggy Otis album. I don't, I've never heard uh, any confirmation of Prince listening to that or knew what it was, but and then then if it, if he never had heard it, then it's just purely God. And what I mean by that is like, because the style of Shuggy Otis and Shuggy Otis predates Prince. Uh, he really sort of comes out of the time that Sly was the king, but there was these certain musical elements, sounds, and rhythms that when you hear that Shuggy stuff, you want to automatically in your mind want to think like, God damn, was Prince secretly on this shit heavy? Because there's a lot of that that style you hear in this, that even the, to me, the drum machine, you know, Lindrum was not created at the time when Shuggy and Sly was in existence, but you can hear the simplicity of that same style of beats and but that chicken scratch and that bass playing that funk vibe is is there. It's that same type of vibe. And to me, when I hear this, I'm like, it reminds me of that Shuggy stuff. I'm like, man, that's one of them, them brothers. Them brothers was just like, it wasn't trying to be nothing. It was just like that was just that natural groove. You know what I'm saying? That 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 it's like, I call it like pimp funk. That just that ah, it's nasty and just that. Dun, 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 dun. You can hear that in that early, you know, I always say that early Prince always had that. And you can hear there's a little breakdown part in here. You can hear is that same sort of thematic rhythm that Prince had. It's just so apparent in this and he just leans into it. And ah, it's just, a, it's a beautiful uh, representation of that sound. So I, I think it's great. I always wonder if if Prince didn't have the uh, vision or the ambition, I should say, to want to be a crossover artist. And I think uh, the motivations behind a lot of his early records had the motivation of I want to cross over. You know, that was such a big thing. I don't think people even think about that now because everything is you know, they want to cross over to the hip hop and all that. That's because it's the dominant thing. But back then, you know, it was sort of rele relegated to a box of black music is over here. And I think he, he had that. Yeah. I'm not going to just be that I'm going to be big. And I can see how that would, that, that sort of frames his choices and songs to release on his albums and directions to go. But if he didn't have, I, I would argue if he didn't have those concerns and it was more of a level playing field. I wonder if he would have just leaned on shit like this. Like, fuck it. I'm, I can just do the whole album can be like this. I don't have to try to, uh, not motivate it to try to reach some heights or something. And I have to, you know, switch it up to get there. I'll just give him, this is my shit. I'm going to just do my shit. Fuck it. Cause I feel like his music style. Again, I, when I, I say it in the sense of look at the influence of it, there were, artists who wanted to be this <laughs> and were this right? 
And they, to me, they copied this Prince. They didn't copy, in my mind, I could be wrong. They didn't really copy more of the, um, uh, I don't think they copied Let's Go Crazy. They didn't copy, uh, in my mind, I don't think they necessarily copied Little Red Corvette per se. They copied that. Oh, Shayla, that, that, you know, you listen to Jesse John, they copied that shit. That's what I think was so like, uh, head busting to a lot of people. And, and it was, uh, the fact that Prince was like, you know what? Y'all can have that shit. I'm about to go jump on this. But you see, like he had it, like he obviously, he could have continued to do them albums just like that. It would have been just as dope. But again, he had bigger aspirations and you know the industry was a different place at that time so you, you didn't want to get locked into that um if that makes any sense but this song just to me like if they would have came out with this it would have been it would have been it would have been ridiculous man uh, absolutely ridiculous um so i want to keep moving on at uh, this point this album this 3 has got such a rhythm going it's it, it just hitting you over the head completely so this next track uh bold generation for me this is the absolute pinnacle of this release it's my favorite track on this release you will hear that this is actually the original uh version or this is what new power generation is based on right the, even the drums are the same as morris day uh if I'm not mistaken, this was recorded, if not the same day or the day before or after, like Jiglos Get Lonely 2. So, you know, this would have been a time track more than likely. Uh, I'm going to keep my comment short first, just to say that there needs to be a place. It may come years later, but the estate, I'm putting this out there. Y'all need to do a, and this would be when you got past all the other stuff all the albums and, you, and you're looking for creative stuff to do. There needs to be a Morrison Prince collab compilation because them niggas together, I'm going to say it right now. And for me, the best Prince collaborator, period, in my mind, Prince and Morris, everything they did was fire. Everything. All them tracks bangers and to me them brothers together whatever morris brought out of prince and vice versa it, it is it's the truth uh this is just another example of like ain't nobody fucking with this uh, i like new power generation it's so funny i can't not hear him say new power generation when he's he obviously must be saying bold generation in my mind. It's like new power. <laughs> I mean, it's so locked into my mind. It is such a head bust to have that new power generation version that came and you know, that's what you know. And then to actually hear the original shit of it. This was just a, a super example of how creative this dude was, how early he was. This is a banger. This would have been heat if this had dropped back then. I don't care what nobody said. Everything these brothers touch, hate, hate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they just, when you, cause if you think about it, go down the line, Morris Prince music, you show me the weak stuff. 
it's all heat. <laughs> they was nasty. He nasty. And he wasn't lying. And I think he knew it. Uh, so, yeah, this is, it's over. And this shit is nasty. The synth bass, they start to turn that up in the midpoint. Ugh, that's a, ugh. I was like, ugh, they ain't clowning. Ugh, they, and when Prince started getting in, yeah, yeah, ah, he was feeling it, man. This was, it was like, he just caught the spirit on this one. It, 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 he was doing his thing, man. He was in a space at this point. I could go on and on. Uh, Aunt Pooh, I'm going to tell you right now. If you say something crazy about that, I'll just fuck with you. Go ahead. How that song go? I gotta be me. I gotta be righteous. Uh, I gotta be free. <laughs> okay, we don't was... like new way. That was that. Hey, you had to know the song. Mike knows the song, right? Uh, no, but go ahead. I gotta be oh, righteous. Wow. I gotta be free. The hell? Uh, here's the. <laughs> I think when they say here's the thing, you know some fuckers gonna say, "Go ahead." <laughs> I think everybody assumes that this was probably meant for the time, and I am so glad he did not give it to them because, mm. all due respect to Morris, you couldn't have sang this song. You couldn't have. Huh? Couldn't have. He couldn't have. He could not well, have he done the sing just- gigolos and all. Come on, this ain't no. St- Let me stop. This is your opinion. Let me stop. Thank You're you. Right. Thank you. My bad. Right. Sorry. I'm, I'm my bad. I'm glad he didn't because he would not have done the song the justice that Prince did to it. This song is filthy. Okay? It is. Um, I can go back and forth between this and the new power generation because there are aspects of the of that song that I, I'm missing here. But goddamn, he kills this. But I think it would have been ahead of his time. It would have been too ahead of his time. I think releasing it when he did 89, 90 was perfect. But this song is so ill and so filthy. And, and one thing I wanted to add, all the songs where he starts out when they go, woo, are all heat. Doesn't Strange Relationship start? Oh, there was a Sheila E song that started, woo, it, they, they're all just jams. Uh, I, 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 I know I've heard him do this before, but they're all jam. This song actually, and I don't, I don't know the timetable, but this, I, I hear strange relationships. There's something about this that reminds me of strange relationship. And also, uh, doesn't another lover start that way? Woo! Like that's when, you know, Prince is on some shit. Like they can start the song like that. What they just count it down? One, two, three, go. Woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, big sexy. You know, <clears throat> this was like you said, Mike. This was recorded the same day they did Gigolos, and it may or may not have been for, meant for the time. I keep hearing new power generation, and it's like whatever the changes that were made between this. And new power generation. And I know I'm going to get mail on this. The changes didn't need to be made. New power generation. I think it was reworked to do that to coerce a more spiritual vibe that just wasn't there. You know, if anything, it neutered the song. Uh, you take bold generation, you leave it alone. Leave it alone. They could probably fatten it up with some more background vocals, 
but the music, and you don't bury the drums. You don't do that. This is how it should be. This is how it should have been. Time could have handled it easily. Um, I don't. If anything, this is making me dislike new power generation. There it is. I said it because this is what it should have been. And this is how I listen to it from this moment forward going, you know, for the rest of the time myself. Uh, I like the fact that it is just Morris and Prince and Mike, you're absolutely right. Prince has worked with a lot of people as quote collaborators or in the studio and all that. And a lot, and we all know if you can't keep up with Prince musically, you'll be asked to leave. Morris was never asked to leave. You know, Morris went out and did the time instead. Now, had he just, you know, hung with the studio in the studio and worked with Prince for like a larger block of time, who knows what they could have done together. But this was great. This was great. And hearing this included in this project definitely lends credence to what Mike was saying earlier about having the time stuff in there, because this is the time. And having the Vanity Six stuff in there as well, it would have all fit in this project. And again, I'm not complaining. And it's a huge project, but it could have been bigger. Because <laughs> this song is funky and was perfect the way it was. This is one thing where the self-editing was wrong. You know, New Power Generation, to me, ain't even close to this. This is where it should be. Now, see, I'm going to go down this road for a second because you brought up Graffiti Bridge and, and this song. Now, if they would have put this song on Graffiti Bridge and left it more untouched, well, two things. One, I think Prince's musical ability was at a different place you know, back when Graffiti Bridge came out compared to this. And I wonder how this would have sounded against some of the other tracks. And and this is a show unto itself, but a lot of those tracks off of that go coming from other areas, you know, eras of Prince. But I wonder it would have been too like out, uh, out of uh, bounds in terms of it would have sounded so different compared to the other stuff on that album. Like, all of those tracks on there, not all of them, but most of the Prince tracks are from different times and were either reworked or just pulled from different periods. And I wonder if sonically would they have matched if he didn't add things to the mix of this song and change it up. Like to me, I would have loved it, but it would have been like, wow, how come the rest of this stuff don't... I mean, I'd have been like, first of all, I'd probably like, this shit is funky as hell. Like where... And again, this is coming off of Batman. And I would have been like, when did he record? How did I would have been flipped out because I'm like, oh, he just flipped back to his old style. Like, how did he do that? Like, this shit is ill. But it would have sounded so different. I, I'd be curious. And, I, and then again, Prince and who he was, would he even have been like, nah, I can do it better. Like, my new, the new sound sounds better than that. That's that old stuff. Let me switch it up. You know, I. It would have just been interesting to see if it would have worked or if he would have even allowed it to work. Again, it's a deeper conversation because a lot of those tracks are from different time periods. But it, well, I'll tell you that you, you got to look at Graffiti Bridge album a whole other way. Uh, 
now with a lot of the stuff that's been released and I would love to see somebody put together a configuration of it with just the original tracks. Um, but anyway, um, day drop. Both yeah. Generation. You, you would have seen graffiti bridge a whole different way. And it, it, it works in talking about this track as well, because I think it would have, uh, not only the, would that soundtrack would have been different, but the, the movie I think would have been way different as well. And I think what the way I see it, and comparing because people are always going to compare this version to new power generation obviously and then new power generation having come from this the reason why i like this more and it's the same critique now as it was then as far as uh new power generation and and that album as well as the movie is that it to me it sounded like it was trying to be too much house party at the time and um I don't, I don't like that side. It never seemed to fit too well. There are tracks that I like from that soundtrack, but in the most part, it sounded like it was just trying to be too house party. And to me, it sounds very dated uh, when you listen to it now. Bold Generation still works. And it's a great song. And with a great message that uh, as let's, let's work, uh, that party, no war, but party message. And um, I think it should have been included. And I think that this is much better sounding than excuse me, then the new power generation track. Um, in fact, it still sounds almost like, like demo style. And even then still outdoes the polished new power generation track. Um, for me, you know, I'm wondering at like the, like the other track, this one is a 10 out of 10. It, it, it should have belonged somewhere in 1999, but I, you know, you have to make cuts here and there. And sometimes the stuff that 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 is left on the cutting room floor isn't always bad stuff. It's just stuff that might be too much. And um, this is one of them. So I could see why he brought it back later on and did new power generation off of it, knowing that, hey, the basic track, the basic groove works, the basic makeup of the song works and I can bring it back. And now we can let people listen to it. Um because, you know, he'd wound up doing the same thing with We Can Funk. Um, but the original version, Bold Generation, much better. And I'll be honest, when I first heard about this and, and I was hearing different pre preview or listening to different pre um, reading different previews on it, people were kind of saying, oh, it's just going to sound like a new power generation. This is a throwaway track. And it was easy to, to think that way. Uh, it's not. It's not a throwaway track. I think it's something to listen to and to compare it to the other one. I think you're going to I think most people are going to think that this is the better version of it. Again, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. I think it should have been included in 1999. It's a shame that it wasn't. But it, it has a completely different vibe to it. I can take this one a lot more serious than I can take new power generation. Mm. So that's mm. my take on it. So you said something, and I remember seeing that it was one of those early reviews or some journalists got to hear the tracks and they did say something like, oh, just another, another thing of new power generation. See, that's they why really I downplayed it. Yeah. That, that's why I don't like to be reading on them. People be like, oh, here go the review. Mm. I'm like, eh, who, who is this? <laughs> why you take that? Yeah. You don't even know nothing about these clowns. What they kind of music they into. So I can't, I'm not going to be like, I can't give them no of my attention because I don't know what their pedigree is. And so I can't give them no automatic props or I don't even care what they think about it. Like who, what you listen to? You know what I'm saying? Do you know this music? That's why, I, that's why I'd be hesitant to like, you know, cause, cause it's shit like that. Cause they'll say something like that and get people thinking, Oh, there ain't going to be nothing or, no, nah, these damn motherfuckers don't know what they're talking about, man. They just yeah. I kind of wish that I had not read that 
Yeah. Because I would never have drawn the the comp, just from the title alone, I would not have thought, oh, this is a remake uh, or this is the the predate of a new power generation. I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought, I don't know. Well, let's hear what this is. What's bold generation? I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, and yeah, like you, my guy. I also it took a while for my ear to hear bold instead of new power. <laughs> and um, and and sometimes when I still hear it, I want to automatically hear new power in there instead mm-hmm. of bold. But um, yeah. I kind of wish I was kind of it kind of spoiled the surprise a little bit having heard having read that. But, um, you know, again, and that's why I really stress don't don't think that this track is a throwaway because it's a predated track to new power generation that we all know. It might surprise it will surprise you. There's no might. It will surprise you. And it's definitely worth listening to. Yeah. And even that term, I don't even really like that term because in my opinion, I just don't see Prince going in the studio bullshit and like none of it's a throwaway. Like that's just the, that was his shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he goes in there thinking, oh, let me just throw up some shit. Somebody got to mute their mic. They got dogs. In there. His, he go in there with every intention of, yo, this is, this is a song. <laughs> I may finish it or, you know, I tend to tend to finish them all, but I don't think he's like, oh, that's just some throwaway shit. Like, Ain't nobody putting on any blood, sweat, and tears in this some throwaway. He might not like. He might have better songs, but I don't like that. This is a throwaway. I stop. Stop it. He wouldn't have never made it this far if he was in there doing throwaway. Like if you if you say he was in a, a rehearsal and they was just in there jamming or something, but you about going in the studio and taking the time to laying down all them parts by yourself, it ain't no throwaway. Because. <laughs> 99% well, you know, my- of these cats can't even <clears throat> go in the studio and play to that level and have the song in your mind when you're just doing just the drum parts first and know what the bass is going to sound. Then you come back. You're not throwing. That ain't no throwaway. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will say this. Whenever I say throwaway in terms of Prince, it's almost a term of endearment because his throwaways <laughs> are the people's gems if they could do it. So, I so mean, you're it's very that, subjective. You're on that. You're on that my, my, that's my bitch. Logic, I'm just best going. <laughs> <laughs> it's a term of endearment when I say it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's how I see it. When I, when I call a prince throwaway, I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's a double, that's a whole different level. <laughs> that's what I, that I, is. I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Yeah. So, Bold Generation, man, one of these standouts. And, and let me just say, at this point, salute to the estate, because again, they putting jams on here, songs that some we've heard before, some we have not, and they all sound beautiful. Um, you know, we've had bootlegs throughout the years and stuff, and that's cool, but now it feels good that we're getting the, the real shit uh, officially. And even years later, it's still blowing our minds. Uh, I just, I'm glad they're doing this. This is a great thing. Uh, Next up is Colleen. It's an instrumental track. I will admit, I do like this. Um, Here, I got a little jaded only because I never heard this before. This is good. I know that they're sitting on other dope instrumental funk things from this same period. Uh, so this is a curious one for them to release to me. I do appreciate it though. Uh, the more I listen to it, I already, I mean, it's already, it's funky. It's just, to me, I feel like 
I just want to know a little bit more about this and maybe I'll read that on the liner notes, but this is dope. Um, I just felt like there could have probably been an, another one that they could have put in. Um, and maybe when I saw the title, I was thinking, oh, is this going to be somehow tied in to bacon skin or something? Um, but this is, again, this is, this is another, this is just a funk, funk workout, my opinion. Uh, love it. Uh, big Sexy Insect. It's like you said, you know, that this was also unfinished. Uh, I, was just took, I took a quick peek over in the vault and it's unfinished. <laughs> it says in the notes there that P Prince asked Peggy McQuarrie, the engineer on the project, what her middle name was. And she said, she said, Colleen, he's all titled as Colleen. And he never, you know, circled back to work on it further. I don't know where it was supposed to go, if it was going to go anywhere, but for something that's quote unquote unfinished, sounds pretty good to me. You know, it's like looking at the building block of something that could have been, you know, this could have been, you know, Wally, or this could have been Poom Poom. We don't know because he never finished it. But the fact that we get to see it, you know, I got to co-sign what Mike said. I got to dap up the estate for letting us see this side of him, which normally we would, we would have never got to see. Yeah, it almost kind of reminds me, there's a rehearsal, I think it's from the Purple Rain days, but he's to be alive. I don't know if y'all remember that one. He just keeps keeps jamming at the It sounds very similar to this. I wonder if it sort of morphed into that whatever song that was. But uh, Ampu. This is this is nice. It, it gives me some wild and loose vibes. Um, on a. <clears throat> After Mark's uh, suggestion, I jumped over to Prince Vaughn to get some uh, background on some of these songs, too. And it said that this was uh, around the time of the same uh, recordings for the Time album. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, nothing to, you know, really get hyped about, but it's a nice little, I guess, proof of concept is what I'm going to call it. All right. Um Day dropping. Did you get on this one? I'm sorry. No, not yet. Right, not yet. Ahead. I really like what Ampu said at the end. Proof of concept. That's that's how I, you know, take this this track. Um, it's it's cool instrumental. I think it's a little bit repetitive, but it makes sense because um, this is really one of those tracks to kind of show you off what, what Prince can do when he's just messing around. He's experimenting. Um, and again. Uh, that term of endearment comes in. It's a throwaway because it's just him messing around. Didn't even have a title for it. Tells you how much messing around it is. But it, it's a nice song. It, you know, it's just a it, it's just a jamming track. In other words, you know. Um, but it, it, it's a track that doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, on the real, it, it's it's a good it, musically. It, it sounds nice, but it's an unfinished track, and you can tell it's an unfinished track. Um, I'm glad for its inclusion because, again, you're you're kind of playing fly on the wall. Yeah, the, the the song title could have been "Fly on the Wall" instead of "Colleen," right? But it's it's one of those things where it's not really finished. It's not polished up, but it was probably something that he jammed on and little bits would change up here and there. So he'd be like, oh, okay, I like that sound. Yeah, let's put this on tape. So maybe yeah, that little bit I might use somewhere else. You know, I'm just kind of, uh, it's like a draft drafting table. I'm just kind of doodling. And and maybe later on, I'll, oh, I like what I drew right there. I'm going to flesh that out and make a whole portrait out of that, that little bit of that doodle. 
You know, that's what this kind of reminds me of. It's like a proof of concept. He can do it and he can do it just by goofing around apparently. And, and, and it sounds great that way. Um, but because of the, the style of what it is, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's, um, it's a good song to have on here, but if I'm going to score it six, maybe seven, nothing really crazy. It's a good track, but, um, it, it kind of goes nowhere. All right. Keeping it moving. International lover. Take one live in studio again. Heat. Heat, heat, heat. Prince mm-hmm. Morris. Uh, now you could compare this to the original version, which is fire. But this is take one. So, again, this to me just illustrates the musicianship songwriting ability uh the chemistry between these two cats man is phenomenal this this could sit on any record it's just pure soul uh it's is even with prince somewhat laughing at himself it still works it's a great counterpiece to the release because you can hear like this is you would think like how much would change. Of course, he's going to go back into the vocals, but musically first take in the pocket. Like, you know, I'm curious how long they worked on this. You know, I would love to, I mean, for a completist, I would have loved to hear just the noodling around and figuring out the chords and just, or is he just playing this shit? Like he just had it in his mind. Like it's just, it's crazy, man. Like I say, these two cats together, man, it's just golden. All this shit is golden. This is just a great track. I can't even, now my mind cannot imagine more singing it, but thematically listening to it, it sounds like it would fit the Morris character because it's the kind of, you know, international level. You know, you probably would have had a little more yes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> this is it, man. Like, it was, he was on. He was on one. They was on, they just, they were just so locked in. And like, I'm curious where there's some, not bad tracks, but just like, what, what, I hate to use it. What was there like, nah, we're not going to use that. Well, see, the thing is, they're not that they were not going to use them tracks with shit like Jerk Out and stuff, which is like boggles my mind. <laughs> but they had so much heat, they probably was like, yeah, you know, we say that. We say that for next time. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, international lover, psh, ridiculous. Uh, big sexy. This is one of the two standouts in this project. Uh, this one, again, Morris on drums used the magical word pocket. Morris is locked in, and it's hard for me to visualize. And now, granted, I've seen footage of Morris playing drums. But that was in, you know, much, much, much later years. But I'm just trying to reconcile, you know, the guy who's got the, the mirror in front of him and Chili Salson back there being a support guy playing the drums. I just can't see that. But I can hear it because here he is. Um, Prince has always been able to choose excellent drummers, you know, throughout his whole career path. Now, granted, I'm a Michael Bland fan, but that does not mean the other drummers are any less competent by any stretch because Morris is a drummer and he wasn't even in the band. 
And he could have been the man, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't. Morris, he had bigger plans for Morris. And the clarity of the piano here, I would have just loved to hear this just as a piano and the drums. That's it. You know, I didn't need all the synth and all the other stuff in the finished version because I hear this and I hear the clarity and I don't know how they record the piano. And maybe I'm going to steal from from Ernie and Ant. Maybe it's because I got these uh, B&W 805-D3 speakers that, yes, are featured so at Abbey Road Studios. But it's all coming out. It is all coming out. Just the clarity, the way he plays, it's amazing. You know, I think this one could have used the, the classic premise of less is more. Had he just done this by itself with the drum track? Shit. It would kill her. I mean, it's a great song, but it would have been even a better presentation. This, to me, is one of the two main, main standouts in this project so far. Love it. And poop. Yeah. I heard just, that, Anthony. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the way that he sang this, it really makes, it gives me vibes that he was preparing this for, uh, for Morris, giving him the guides to, this is how you sing the song. And I guess maybe after the first take, he was like, nah, this is too ill to give this to the time. I need to have this. Uh, just, just overall, um, much like piano and a microphone, where we got a glimpse into his recording process. Well, I mean, that was more so rehearsal, I should say. But we're getting a glimpse into how he recorded his songs, how he put it together. We actually get um, some elements in in this track of him being a little bit playful and off the cuff. And that, to me, is uh, more of a standout and what uh, is big for me with hearing this song than the actual first take of the song. All right. Day dropping. Right. So take one, right? Um, This is why this is, for me, a 10 out of 10 because it's a take one. So at this point, you know, Prince is okay. This is this is what we're gonna do, guys. Is okay. We'll be doing this, this, and that, and we're gonna talk about it. And then, then here's the changeup. Let me show you how this goes. And this, this how to go play Morris. This is how you go play this. Let me show you this. Boom, boom, boom. And Morris does it, and this and that. All right, all right, Peggy, hit play. We're gonna do take one, and this is what you get. That alone is warranted of the 10 out of 10. The fact that, again, we've thrown this out and it, something like this really uh, explains the idea of, of genius that, that he is on there. Um, it gets a 10 out of 10 for just being bold and complete in one take. That That's an incredible feat in and of itself. Um, it, it is part of a completionist to let you know what's going to be happening. But because of, of where it's at at this point, that's why it warrants that. It, it, you know, yeah, yeah, you could say less is more. You could say, oh, I like the synth version with a little bit more synth in it. I like that version too. But you cannot deny the fact that this is sounding the way it's looking, the way it's sounding on take one. That's amazing. That's incredible. And that is the sign of a genius at work. And, um, I mean, I got m- not much more to add to it. That's that's why it is a ten out of ten. This is just hands down. It's a highlight. All right, we'll keep it moving. Next Wait, hold up, on. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hold on. 
maybe because, or this is because, I've been taking piano lessons the last couple of years, but I'm listening to the way he played this, and as much dap as he got as a guitarist, which he did earn, he didn't get enough as a pianist. I don't mean synthesizer programmer. I don't mean that. I mean just straight playing piano. Guy, whoo. Brilliant. And I'm so glad that he did the piano and the microphone tour so people could see that up close. Because that was, listening to this takes me right back to that. And that was an amazing show. Can I be on my amp pool for a quick second? Oh, please. Oh, wow. <laughs> In regards to his piano playing, I agree with you. But. I wish he had got on his piano steez during the Under the Cherry Moon days. His piano ability at that point oh. is utterly uh, fantastic. Um, there's something about those, his way of playing the piano. When he got to that point, it was just, and even in Love Sexy, you got to showcase it again. I think when he did that piano sort of melody in the Love Sexy tour, he still had that same piano sound that he would do and the way he would play it. I honestly think once he got to piano and mic, his playing style had changed where it would just, I don't know, if I, I feel like it was just too much. Like it's a lot of flourishes going on and different things. And he was just so advanced at that point. But I'm telling you, if you listen to them, the way he played piano, at like from under the cherry moon period there's just something about it this just sounds like it's not it's like you never heard of before i don't know how to explain it but there's a definite skill difference i'm not saying one's bad i'm just saying like i wish he'd have recorded that piano album at that point i think he he was awesome just doing his own thing at that point it was just fantastic before he became too sometimes like when you learn too much it just becomes like he was just too far. And then this is my opinion. I, I, I'm totally alone on this, but I'm I'm just saying. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, keep it moving. Next up is turn it up. Turn it up, baby. Stop it, Mike. Uh turn it up. <laughs> uh Ampu. I'll give this one to you, sir. What you think? I'm going to go ahead and prepare for the heat from the Purple Family. <laughs> You've been saying that almost everything you say. <laughs> but Just do this it, sounds, This sounds like a quintessential 80s mu- movie music filler. Like, if you if they put this before, like, some of the cheesy uh, films like Private Resort and Summer Hol- Rental. Hilarious. <laughs> Man, you know what? Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. I, I, I'm agree with that. Uh, this well, has to be a this has to be a proof of concept. <laughs> oh my god. Those are real films, by the way. Wow. <laughs> I, I gotta this, agree with you, Ampo. I gotta agree with you. 
Wow. This is like a proof of concept of somebody was like, yo, we need a song for this summer uh, teen rom-com. Come on, Prince, what you got? He's like, okay, let me let me go turn this out real quick. It totally sounds like that, which is good and bad because it feels very, very dated to me. But since it is Prince, it's like, okay, if you're going to have a song that's dated, then here's Prince and he's giving it to you. And it's just a, a popcorn syrupy sweet song that's like like i'm saying it could have been in front of commando uh could have been in front of uh commando. police academy stop <laughs> one it. Of those. you would swear <laughs> it was you would swear it was on one of those soundtracks that's not a knock but the song feels dated all right uh day dropping <laughs> wow that's a hard one to follow up on right there um so turn it up. Okay, so it's a cleaner version. It's got more sound effects in it. Um, I don't have too much really to say about it. It's, it's uh, it, the sound effects and everything that are on it, it kind of adds atmosphere to this release, which is great. Uh, it's a party dance track, albeit definitely from the '80s, but it is a party dance track. Um, you know, I'll keep it short and sweet. It's a nine out of ten. I, I've heard this thing forever in different qualities this is the best quality by far sounds great um you know enjoy it for what it is it's a it's a it's a song of the time back then and yeah it, it could have definitely been on the beginning opening of many 80s party song party movies during the opening credits that's when you would have this i 100 percent agree with that I hadn't thought about that but yeah I, I stand by that as well all right big sexy you know, I I don't want to. You know, yes, I do. I'm gonna follow, and I can just close my eyes and and see the pastel alligator shirts, the Verne classes, movies in the background like Ski School and things like that. Yeah, like an episode of of Fame. You know, I can see Leroy and and wow. Miss Miss Grant working out a routine over this whole thing. It is. So dated, but in a funny way. I mean, not negative at all, but I can definitely feel it and hear it. During the time it was produced, it makes perfect sense. And sometimes capturing an attitude or a vibe of a certain time. Oh, man, that sounds dated. No. No, because sometimes you capture that time, and it's a good time. It takes you back to a happy place. And that's what this does, especially when Ant... Made that connection for me. The minute he said, oh, man, you know, this is like priority <laughs> sort. <laughs> I can just see a litany of those movies, you know, before I started college. I'm like, he, and he's so right. He's so absolutely right. It takes me right back to that. And it gets like Mike was saying, Prince, we need a little something for this 80s dance scene. Okay, I got you. Boom. <laughs> And again, I don't want to say it was a throw or anything like that. And he and he makes it look easy because if you take this song and stick it in one of those movies back then, it's going to be a hit. It's the way it is. And he just said, no, nah, I'm going to keep this in the back pocket. You know, it just talks to the volume of his talent level. It really does. All right. Yeah. Turn it up. I, just to say this, I don't think we've mentioned it before. This song has been sort of uh, toiling around in bootlegs for many years, but uh, to hear it like this, I definitely appreciate that. I, I kind of co-sign a lot of what's said here. This was not a song that I always used to play, uh, but it's easily, it's a catchy type of thing. You can't help but, 
you know, it almost is like, uh, to me, now listen to it, it sounds kind of like the way he's singing Irresistible Bitch, but less of the old man exaggeration on it. But just that, it's like, yeah. It's like, okay, friends. Um, but it's cool to me. This is like, I can see why they didn't put this on the album. Uh, I feel like it, it's in the same boat of a Delirious. And I, th- I think Delirious is a superior take on this type of style, but it's still banging. I can now, I cannot get out of my head what Ant said of it being in one of these movies. You can easily see that as well. Um, so there you go. That's that's my quick opinion of it. Um, and just, just keep moving right into uh, another song that I feel kind of in the same vein. Uh, you're all I, you're all I want. Um, again, it reminds me. I guess they call it that rockabilly type of. And to me, it reminds me of like some Elvis Presley in my mind or something like that kind of style. I can't get out of my head after hearing this. That it just is stuck in my head. His falsetto on this, he sounds great, but maybe it's because I expect it to be a little more fuller or something, but I can't deny there's something infectious about this song that as much as I kind of think it's kind of corny, I can't stop singing it back when I find myself the last couple of, and again, he's done that style many times and that's almost like, he uses this same sort of he's done a number of songs sort of based off of that sort of motif uh, but this is just another one again I like that they put it on here though because it's what was going on with him at that time um, day dropping right so uh, yeah it sounds like it's um, very similar sounding to a song like Horny Toad uh, in fact maybe it's like a mash between uh Horny Toad and, it's, and maybe something that, that would eventually wind up into Delirious. Um, the falsetto, it works on here and it makes it kind of sweet sounding, you know, very, uh, it's very digestible track on that in that way. And it's one for the ladies. I mean, it's one of those tracks, you know, so for me, uh, the only thing that I have on it is that it sounds like this is one of those that has that curse, the fade away curse. It sounds like it fades out way too soon. Like something's going to happen hmm. crazy. It's going to drop into us into the next gear when it starts to fade out. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a good song. It's a good inclusion on here. Again, I like that the estate has, has felt that this type of a track is warranted to be on here because it gives you uh, a little bit of everything by including a track like this. Is it one of the best tracks ever? Is it mind blowing? No, it's not. But is does it tell you that he could do something like this? Most definitely, not necessarily for me, um, but it's okay. It's this one's a six out of ten. It, some people might like it more than that. I think it's just it's it, again it's not a throwaway by any means like that. It it serves its purpose. It's just not something that necessarily relates to me. But I appreciate it, and I'm glad that it's here. All right, big sexy and sack. You know, there's a phrase that you know been used a couple of times. Uh, proof of project, <clears throat> a proof of concept, excuse me. This song is that because I can hear Delirious in this song. And I can hear another song that he gave to someone else. I can't think of the name of it. But I hear other, <clears throat> you know, pieces of other things in this. So to me, this is a throwaway. I wouldn't say that. But it's more like this is the the chemistry set. You know, he takes this and is like, okay, I got this here. 
But hey, let me take this portion and build Delirious off of that. Yeah. Or let me take this portion and build something else off of that. So it's like he put it here as like a little toolbox. And he takes things out of it and builds other things with it, which is great. Which is great. I, I love it. All right, Amp Pooh, take us home. Yeah, um, um, I'm not a big fan of his rockabilly stuff, with the exception of uh, when you were mine. But that bass lick, you, you you gotta. This is why the man is a musical genius. He could take that and, like Mark was just saying, he get you, you hear delirious. You can hear definitely hear horny toad, and now this, and he has the same music. But can give you, he tweak it just a tad bit to give you three different songs off of it, and it, you know it's catchy, uh, it's dated, and this is not a bad thing because you know we're pulling these from 1982, 1983. This is what he was feeling, and it's again, once again, you can see how he was taking all of these musical styles and experimenting to find. Uh, which ultimately was Delirious, which was, I don't know how big of a hit it was, but it definitely got some traction, got some crossover appeal. And it showed him being a musical genius where, you you know, on 1999 with International Lover, Lady Cab Driver, Little Red Corvette, Corvette in 1999, here's this quirky song. And I don't know which came first. Maybe it was this one, uh, this song. And, you know, he said, let me go back in the studio. And he got horny toe. Nah, let me go back one more time. And you got delirious. So I, that's, that's how I'm going to tell the narrative of the progression of this song. But I think it's really great to hear, in my opinion, the origin. Cool, cool, cool. Um... Yeah, I don't have anything to add to this, so we'll continue to move forward. The next track is Something in the Water Does Not Compute. This has uh, been in the fan community for many years. Actually, I believe that it first dropped. I I, I remember this because it was one of my favorite bootlegs. It was called Studio Nights. I don't know if you all remember this. I think it came out in 90... It must have been 97, 98 around that part. And it was like a, it was a box set CDs. I want to say it was four or five discs in there. And it was, uh, this would be something that the estate, I think they should snatch this model and think about this. At the time it came out, it was the first thing that ever had Prince's quote unquote boom box demos i think that was what it was called you could hear that it was recorded on like a tape deck or something and it was early stuff of prince and it went all the way up to um gosh i think it went all the way up to the 1999 period or possibly purple rain um one of the discs was the uh unfinished or at least unreleased album by the band called the rebels which was prince's band at the time in terms of a controversy day during my controversy time, that was one of the discs. But on one of those discs was this. And it didn't sound, this don't sound too far off from that. I mean, it was great quality at that time in 97. So I love that finally, here we are, 2019, they make this official and put it out on here. This is to me, hands down, the best version of something in the water, uh, period. I, I, when you hear this, you're just like, whoa, like, 
and it'd be, it would be very interesting. I would love to hear sort of the reasoning behind why this version did not make the album. Uh, the album version is dope too, but there's just something about this. There's more instrumentation, the piano playing. It's just, it just is great. And there's, I think it's bass on this. Fantastic versions. Like I said, so I, so I love this. This has been one of my faves throughout the years. And this is great to get this to me. Them even putting this on there shows that to me, they care. And like, we know this shit is out there here. Let's give it to them. Pristine version. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, day dropping. Right. Well, first, I want to make a correction to myself. I had talked about that pulsing synth at the end of Irresistible Bitch. I meant it for this track. Doesn't change my my thoughts on Irresistible Bitch, but that's one of the things I like about this particular track. That's that, that pulsing synth that comes out at the end of this one as it's fading out. Um, I, I, you know, for me, it's kind of a toss up as to uh, which version I like better. Um, between this one and the one ultimately released on 1999, because of course that version has that incredible yell on it that this one doesn't. And that's just an anguishing yell that he puts on it that I think really helps sell that version of it. But this one also has, I don't know, the, the, the music on this one just sounds, um, I don't know, very somber and very purposeful. I really like it. It's it, and to me, I see it as a great alternative to the release version, not necessarily competing with it, but just so how are you feeling today? Are you feeling like the the 1999 version or the vault version? Um, you know, we, they're both equally good, really depending on the day. Um, so I, I like his vocal delivery on this one as well. And, you know, um, I don't know. I just it's very hard for me to choose between the two. So I really don't. Again, it depends on what what day it is. You know, today I'll be listening to this version. Tomorrow I'll listen to the 1999 version. Um, but this one, you know, it's it's, it's great. They're both equally. In, as far as I'm concerned, the same score for both. They're both nine out of ten. All right. Big, sexy and set. It's easy for me to, to decide between the two. It's this one. The one on the album has that portion you know, like you said, Ernie, the anguished screaming. And it also does that. I can't even do it. But there's another thing that it does in there as well that I never thought fit in the song. And it's not in this version. This version is more straight ahead. It's got all the little quirky thingies in it. But it's kind of a little more reined in. Uh, I didn't really like the album version. I love this version. When I first heard this, you know, a few years ago, I'm like, where, where is this? Why is it this on the album? Yeah, that's a choice I wasn't mine to make. But I definitely prefer this one. And I'm glad it's here in cleaned up, pristine quality. It needs, it needs to be out there. And now it finally is. Yeah, and he's not smacking holes on this version. <laughs> no, he's not. Nope. <laughs> Send your mail to Michael Dean. <laughs> but ain't lying. Anyway, uh, Ample. <laughs> um, it's really a fine line as far as which, for me, which uh, song is uh, the better. Up until the up until the one minute and thirty second mark, I was like, okay, why is this here? 
And then that piano playing came in and I was like, oh, okay. He's showing you I'm multifaceted. I, I can't just put a finger on one of the keys and throw a synth line. I can actually play this shit. Listen to this. And just overall, I like the vocal performance on 1999 better than I do here. But there's just a, a lot of stuff that's just coming through that he threw in there and isn't uh, overdubbed or overproduced in the in the release one. So, I mean, I'll probably play them interchangeably, but this is definitely, again, a nice little peek into how he was um, evolving what would become the finished version of this track. All right. There you got it. Iris, I'm going to say irresistible bitch. <laughs> Something in the water. Uh, all right. Let's keep this thing rolling. Next up is uh, if it'll make you happy. And I'll say this now. This is slowly burning up the charts for me uh, as one of my favorites. Uh, there's something about this song. At first, I was kind of like musically is like, is this kind of like not finished or is just different? And then I sort of realized like he's kind of low. Key. Is he low key trying to throw like a reggae vibe on this? And I, was, I was like, huh, interesting. If I think you that I could kind of hear, yeah, I could kind of hear, hear him throwing that on there a little bit. That's um, exactly what's going on. Okay, because then I was like, okay, it's his his take on it. But listen, I'm just again his voice and the background and the, and the melody of it, the hook. make you happy, matter what they say. I could actually see this have he could have put. I mean, he could have polished it up or put. To me, I think this is a great song. Like again, the hook of it. I can't stop singing. I just love playing this and just singing along with him. He just keeps doing the hook over. I think this is great, man. Like this is something new. I, I'm just like, God, they got this dude got old joints that have been sitting in the vault that are great songs. Like this 2019, you can put this out and it's still like, I'm singing it. You know, I was just like, this dude was a great songwriter, man. Like, this is is this dope? I, I love this. This could have he could have put. I could have easily seen him taking this and say, oh, "Let me go ahead and dust this off and put some new stuff on this." This is gonna be a song on the new album, you know, hit, hit and run volume, whatever. Like I, I would have, and I would have been like right there. Been making it's my man, man. So Princess, I, I love this song. Um, so that's all I gotta say. Big sexy insect. The way his <clears throat> vocal is processed, it reminds me, I'm going to go way back, of an old song from David Essex called Rock On. That's what this reminds me of. You know, that kind of delay in his voice. And it also had, like you said earlier, that little nod, tip of the hat to some, some reggae as well. And anyone who can combine David Essex and... Bob Marley is doing something. <laughs> I think I don't think it's finished. I'm curious to know what else he would have done with this going further. But it's definitely something different. I'll, I'll say that. And again, I'm not saying it's a skipper or anything like that. I'm just saying the way the vocal is done, I don't recall him doing this before. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not just hearing it. But the way this sounds, I can, it takes me right back to like 1976 with that song. 
And, you know, again, I don't know what he was planning to do with it, but I like it. All right. Aunt Poop. See, this is where the, I'm conflicted about these posts, hummus, whatever you probably pronounce that word. I never can get it right. Releases. Because on the one hand, I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. This was in the vault. This is a hit any decade, in my opinion. Although I'm kind of mad at Mike for doing the reggae vibe, telling me about the reggae, because now I just cannot unhear that. But then the other side of me is it's like, I wish I didn't hear this because I feel like it's uncompleted. And I would have loved to have seen Prince take another stab at this and get it to where he wanted to get. I understand people, you know, have their issues with Prince overdubbing and overproducing. But as great as this song is, it's definitely in my opinion, unfinished. And I just feel like, damn, you know, the justice is not being done to this song being released because I just feel if Prince had revisited this song, we could have got another um, I Know, New Power Generation, We Can Funk, um, some, of the, some of the other tracks I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but y'all know what I'm talking about. And it's, I'm just like conflicted on it, but this to me is a banger. And then... If you go look at the lyrics and listen to them, you just left like, okay, what the fuck is this song talking about? You know, he he's saying like, it sounds like he's talking about that he didn't left the home. So I'm like, okay, is he talking about, you know, his, his prior situation with his parents or whatnot, or his parents getting a divorce? But then he, he ends with one part about... Um, What's more, I really don't dig making love, making love on a telephone. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so... Uh, like, are you like working? That's why you're not in the home or you left the home? Because if you if you left the home, why I having phone sex? So I'm just like the fact that the lyrics are in here that's got that's having me think so much about what's being said in the song. I'm like, God damn, why didn't you put the song out? Because to me, it's unfinished and this could have been a hit. Interesting. Interesting. See, I, I can feel you, but. When you say like you, you, you wanted to, you could be like another, I know was to the ball or we can funk, but then see to me, I feel like the original songs are far superior. <laughs> well, well, I say far superior, but they were just better. They were there. I don't say the original, but it, you know, a lot of them was, is the tempo and the tone of those original tracks are better to me. Even when mm. he uses the same instrumentation, sometimes it feels like he changes the speed or something. There's just something about it where they don't feel like they're... Sometimes I feel the original songs are more lazy in the cut. You know what I'm saying? And just their groove. And then when he remakes them, they're more like stand-up straight versions of of the, mm. of the song, if that makes any sense. You know, they're well, not that Yeah, sometimes lazy. you get it right the first time. Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes you just get it right the first time. Um, but go uh, ahead. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One last thing is like, I think Mark mentioned this as well, as far as, you know, the, the, how he performed the song vocally, it does remind me, and I'm looking at the originals. It reminds me of when I listened to You're My Love, which was performed by Kenny Rogers, Baby, You're a Trip, Love That Will Be Done, and Wouldn't You Love to Love Me? I feel like this and I guess I must go ahead and use my line again, was a proof of concept of a song that he was going to give to somebody else. And because 
it just doesn't feel like a lot of the other songs that he's done at that at this time. So he has me left thinking, okay, what was this song? Was was this song for him or was it for somebody else? Who was it for? Because even the way he's singing it is just so different from the performances from the other songs in this uh in this album. All right. Um, day dropping. Okay. First of all, at you did another segue. All right. The word that you were trying to say was posthumous. I said I said it wrong. You had to, come on, man. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> right. So no, nah, I'm just messing with you, man. Okay, so on this here, if it'll make you happy. This is for me the highlight of these two vault CDs. Um if up until now, you know, for those with the boots and everything, you only had like about a minute and a half or a two minute cut from this. And I think that even that, that, ver- well, I think it's the same version. What I think what, what was happening there is my opinion. I don't know this for a fact, but I think what we were, what we were privy to before was maybe uh, one channel instead of a, a, that was, that was released out or leaked out as a full multi-channel version and i think we only got one channel on it because the the way he sings the way prince sings it on the leaked version versus this one is pretty much the same on the leaked version you get a little bit more des doing backup that you can hear and a couple a little bit more instrumentation that's a little bit more pronounced but i think what's going on is that's just one of the sides of the of the speakers or that you're listening to i like that on this track on this final version that we have here it has a little bit of delay from left to right channel similar to um what he did on 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 pop life except it's a little bit tighter it's not as deliberate on that uh, like it is on that track but i like I, I, some for some people it might be jarring for me I, I i like that little um play that he's doing with it with, with it you know because uh, it's like a experiment that he's doing with it the experimentation on it's really nice i love this version and i like the added channels of sound um and just the way it plays for me it, it highlights how he can take a different kind of sound and and make it minneapolis prince for you and he i feel he definitely took a reggae sound and then uh did this with it i, I like everything about this track um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a complete sounding track. I am, this was for me, was one of the Holy Grails that I was hoping to be able to hear in, in its entirety one day. So for me, I'm very happy that this is included here. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I'm hopeful that we'll get more stuff in the future similar to this for me that that's going to make me smile. When I saw this one, I, I was I was ear to ear grin when I was listening to this song. Uh, it was so hard not to put in this CD and just go right to this track. I let it play all the way through till I got to it. And then knowing that it was one of the last tracks on there. And um, when it finally came out, I was extremely happy um, for me. You know, this one's this is an 11 out of 10. It's such a beautiful song, the way it's put together. And just its inclusion here, again, I can't stress this enough, that the clarity, the pristine uh, quality that this is in uh, just adds to it. it it's a, For me, it, it's a perfect song. I put it up there with with some of the other tunes that I, that I find as, as perfection from Prince. This is up there on one of them. Uh, and um, it's just... I mean, what what more can I say about this? It's it's a perfect song for me to listen to. I don't get tired of it. I would hear the snippet 
over and over again, 20 times easily, just, just to hear it and to pick up little nuances. I have the nuances now and better quality. I can pick this one apart and listen to the different instrumentation. Something that I love doing with Prince tracks. I'll go back. Okay. This time I'm going to hear the, the cymbal. Okay. This time I'm going to hear the bass line. This time I'm going to hear the synth. This time I'm going to hear the lead guitar. This time I'm going to hear the rhythm guitar, whatever it may be. This is a track that I can do that too. And I really appreciate that it's out there again, 11 out of 10. Wow. Wow. Okay. I don't remember this song, uh, hearing this one before. And if I did, I, I, I must not have paid much attention to it because I don't, this it's was a very, the first it was a very small snippet that, that came out uh, of it. Okay. It pretty much, it faded out right on the part where the guitar kicks in on its solo. When mm. I think he says, play some more, and then if it, it fades into the guitar, that's where it would fade out before. So everything after that is new. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So here we got the last track on disc three. How come you don't call me anymore? Take two. And I'm going to go to big, sexy and sec. Again, this is more <clears throat> of Prince showing off his piano skills. And now he's backing it up with his falsetto skills, which we already knew he had in the first couple of albums. But he, he took it a different direction and made it more mature sounding. Uh, and this take, uh, the presentation, a couple things he does that I think are a little over the top vocally, but that's just really, really nitpicking for me. Uh, what makes this song, again, the piano. You know, the way he just would handle this thing. Um, <clears throat> going back to what you said earlier, Mike, you can see the difference in his, I don't want to say skill level, but in his mechanics, you know, because in later years, like on the piano and mic tour, he did more runs and things like that. You're absolutely right. He didn't do that here. You know, he wrote this piece and he let the music speak for itself through the piano. It's magnificent. And I, I love this song. I'm, Still embarrassed that I didn't know about it until the 1985 Syracuse concert. I'm watching the VHS with that. And I'm like, what song is this? Duh. Oh, man, that's a B-side. It is? Had no clue. I wish I got on this one from day one. And other people who have done this song do, do a great justice. But this is, again, the master showing that no one takes my songs from me. This belongs to me. And here you go. Take that with you. A great performance. All right. Aunt Pooh. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and leave my Sinead O'Connor takeaway. I'm already, I already got daggers and hate mail coming my way anyway. This, first of all, take two. My God, this is fantastic. Uh, I don't know how soon Take Two and Take One was recorded. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say yeah, it was done on the same day. And the fact that he can give that performance on Take One and then turn around and do just as equally, if a just a, maybe a, a inch or two better than the original, that's just ridiculous. And around the 345 mark when he really starts feeling the song and starts riffing not only vocally but with the piano it just makes it so fantastic and i don't know how he had these here take one and take two i'm assuming take one is what got on the album and then this one and just said 
nah, they ain't ready for that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him that other version. And that the opening beginning, beginning where he's playing with the piano, which reminds, which is a callback for me to the the uh, the Purple Rain show. And he's beginning doing the back and forth with the audience. I'm like, ah, I know that part. I know this. This to me is now the d- definitive version of this song. And in uh, a lot of my play with this right now, I'm on title because I, I got hooked up with the deal and supporting the black man. I've crossed out the uh, the the album that the uh, the B side version for this. Yeah, this this track, and it was already a classic, but this version of it, uh, this is one this is one of those things when people be like, and I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm only doing this out of, out of love, but I'm getting at you, Aunt Pooh. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> But when people say, oh, this person's the next such and such. <laughs> Why is that me? Who am I saying the next I'm just, Because our listeners know what I'm talking about. But when they say, oh, this person is the next prince or something, I pull this out and say, oh, yeah, they do beats and they, they have some hit song. Where's their version of this? Because this nigga ain't no drum machine, piano. Voice and performance themselves. If you're not on this, then you're not the next version of Prince. Stop it. This cat was incredible. You could take that whole 1999 album and yeah, whiz bang production techniques. Yes, he's mastered the drum machine, Lindrums, getting stuff out of it you ain't heard. He's great effects. Yes, he's a funky guitar player, great songwriter. But when you strip it all away and you say, well, what could you do with just the piano and your voice? Uh, Leave all the whiz-bang technology aside. There's no (laughs) click track. (laughs) And you have to just put pure talent on the line. This is what makes the difference between Cat Like This and some of these other people. Now, again, there are many a people, old school and new, who can't get down like this. But there's only really a few that can do it and do it this well. This cat is playing this straight through and singing and giving you that vocal ability when they be... When they be like, Lord Jesus, sing that shit. He's doing that and playing the piano. And it's good. It's soulful. That, that, that's the talent. Imagine if he would have said, you know what? I know 1999's album is dope. Go ahead and throw that on there in the middle part just to show them that they can't never fuck with me. Like, yeah, you can do that funk groove and on. But can you get down by yourself? If the power went out and the drum machines got broke on the tour, you're going to be able to rock the stage anyway? Can you put on a show? Most of them would be like, we're canceling this bit. We got to cancel tonight. We'll be back next week, Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) He would have said, you know what? Y'all got a piano. Give me a piano here. Turn the mic on. I'm good. Watch. Watch me. So this is why this is one of them songs where can't nobody fuck with print. Even my man MJ. MJ. Now MJ probably could have went there <laughs> and could have kept it. He probably could have got it, you know, and people would have went crazy. 
but there's only a few who just have pure talent where they can sing, sang it, and they can play it. This was awesome. Ray, Ray Charles could get up there and just let me do your thing here and you know, and just go. And this was the new cat at that time. He he had the ability, he could just go. You could turn off all that other bullshit. And that's this is why when they can say when Mo Austin them say, well, can he produce it? They looked at something like this. Oh, oh, oh let this kid do his thing, man. This this is pure talent. So this song is pure talent. And so whenever they tell you, you just you go play that. Where's their version of that? Now I know somebody wanna say so go ahead and say what you're gonna say. No, saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is what they call a sneak disc. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do got one story because you, you you talking about I, I hate to get on a tangent in here right. but I do got you know when you're talking about when everything goes wrong you have to shut the stage down and you're talking about pure talents it reminded me of uh, Patti LaBelle she was doing a she was supposed to be doing a performance of This Christmas and she didn't know the words of the song and the teleprompter went out and there's Patti LaBelle up there not skipping a beat even calling out people like okay hey where's my uh, she's singing the song she's singing the song in tune and calling out people in there and hitting all our high notes and it's still the most entertaining thing but I'm saying that to say like yeah you're right Prince is a genius and only a few people have that talent to just use their voice and their creativity and their ability to entertain in front of a show with all hell breaks loose but yeah that's sneak dissing <laughs> but I'm just saying that song is it just illustrates and we already knew the song is fantastic but it, it really shows his talent. Uh, I feel that. Uh, day drop. Right. I'll keep mine short and sweet because I feel that that uh, at least on this CD, we have a, a definite closer. A, a CD should have a closer. This is the closer for the CD and it works 100 uh, percent. It belongs on this collection. It belongs at the end of the CD because it closes things out so beautifully. I mean, it, it's this track is this version of it. It's, it's blissful. It's on par with the release version, but for me, it's, it's a little bit more raw. Um, it sounds, and it sounds more personal this way because of that. I mean, my sentiments with everything that everybody has said so far. Um, and the funny thing, it almost even sounds like he was just kind of messing around and, and, and jamming the piano and doing this. Um, as a score, it's this is an obvious 10 out of 10. How do you not give it anything less than that? And it's funny, you guys are talking about the on the original one. I would make argument that that original, and I first heard it also, uh, Mark, I also heard it first time on uh, the performing uh, VHS. Um, <clears throat> but after having heard the studio version, I, man, I, that's one of those rare occasions in, in the Prince world where I, I could... I'd have to think that maybe the studio version is not going to get touched live. The studio version is the definitive version of it. Um, and we know that Prince was a master of doing things live and, and, and taking it up a notch as good as he would do it with this track. I still think the studio is better. The best next up to that one is, is probably this take two. Uh, but again, 10 out of 10, it's the perfect closer for this for this uh, CD. All right. And being with that said, this is going to be the perfect closer for part two. Boy, I didn't anticipate this was going to be this heavy. I guess I wasn't thinking, 
uh, this so this would be part two. We're gonna end this here and come back with part three because it's just so much content, man. This this review is probably longer than the actual goddamn album, but that's just because we're going deep into it. We're talking about it. Um, I think uh, Aunt Pooh has got to leave us, so he's not gonna be here for part three. So thank you, sir, for your contributions to this. You put some things in there, made me think. Uh, so I really uh, absolutely appreciate that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't already know, please go to our Patreon page. I'm going to put the link down below if you're listening to this on YouTube or if you're on the podcast, there's a link on the show notes. Go to our Patreon page and check us out. We actually have another Prince-related podcast show that is only on Patreon, so you got to join and listen to that. You can join for just as much as a dollar um, or as less as a dollar a month, uh, but it definitely will help us out and help me uh, keep this thing rolling. Yo! part three get ready we'll be back work it like a job we'll see you next time peace